Space Jam? Yeah, it's fun. Are you serious? Yeah. I figured that was like a staple of your childhood. Not really. I mean, really? I watched it. I watched it, but it wasn't. I wouldn't call it a staple. What would you call it? Mm, I've probably seen that movie less than ten times. I'm shocked by that. Being as big of a UNC hater as you are, I figured you'd love to see MJ get squashed by the Toon Squad or by the movies an hour and a half, not an hour and fifteen. <laughs> that's all it takes, and you'd be like, you know what, I'm in. <laughs> Dude, that sucks. You have strep. My buddy got strepped yep. in New Orleans from a stripper. <laughs> exactly the way that sounds. <laughs> I've got nothing for that. Not even gonna go there. That's all right. Um. So you know what was a staple for me? What? This movie. So wait. Okay. What What are the next two movies? Space Jam and what? Space Jam. We're doing it next week because. That is when the new Space Jam with cool. LeBron. LeBron. That's going to be a good talk. God. Especially is that with coming like out time. next week? Yeah, mm-hmm. it'll be premiering on HBO Max. Are we going to see it before we talk about regular Space Jam? Uh, the real Space not. Jam? I, you know what? I really don't know the answer to that question. It comes out Probably on midnight not. or at midnight on Friday? Oh. Sure. <laughs> Ryan, yep. I say this in my classroom all the time. I don't know is an acceptable answer. I God. don't know. It really is an acceptable answer. Because yeah. if you don't know, you don't. Yeah, and that's okay. It doesn't hurt anybody else to not know. The following week is Aliens. Oh, okay. Because that's why I'll be I'll still be in Gulf Shores for those two. You're gonna okay. miss Aliens? Is it I'll do a solo pod on Aliens. That's fine. It's gonna be solo solo because I'm not even gonna be there. Where are you gonna be? On my couch. <laughs> You're kind of far away from the mic. You can tell it. I am? No, both of y'all. Me. There okay. it is. Ooh, that sounded good. Yours, try tilting yours the other way. I'm just curious to see what it what it does. So you want it like this? Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's what he, that's what he wants. Does that buttery. sound better? Okay. Silky, buttery, that's smooth. Better. You sound like me with strep. I wish, so I could have, I, I wish I could sound like this all the time. But. Was it as sexy as Anne Hathaway in this movie? Mm. First of all, was, it? was she a six? A size six? Yeah. Is that complete and utter just nonsense or is that real? No, she's, she could be a six. Okay. Okay. I was like, I don't know. But I guess that's because I hang out with nothing but like tiny Asian girls. Fun fact. Yeah. She is such a method actor that she actually went from a six to a four in this movie. Hmm. Later on? You mean for the later scenes? Yeah. Oh. oh. <laughs> if only it could be that easy for everyone. It is when you hire trainers. Come on now. Yeah. Yeah, she had that Princess Diaries one and two money, maybe. Yeah, I don't know what else she was in before Devil Wears Prada. Have you ever have you ever heard that tweet that Frankie Muniz tweeted out one time? Some dude's like, dude, your movies suck. Big like big fat liar and whatever. And he's mm-hmm. like, dude, those let me retire at nineteen. What have you yeah. done with your life? <laughs> I remember that. Like I bet Princess Diaries played bank. I don't know. I don't like I mean, obviously afterward it did, but I don't know if they expected it to be like that. I bet she got paid for two, right? Oh, I'm sure. Like, cash cash grab at that point. And that one was terrible. Was it? Yeah. With Julie Andrews in it? I, I don't know. But I remember Chris Pine was in it. It was the first Wait, time. Wait, they I, switched out the guy? I believe so. I remember uh-huh. Chris Pine being in the second one because I remember him. I remember being like, where, when I saw Star Trek, I was like, where have I seen that guy? That was the first time you saw Chris Pine after Princess Pretty sure. Pretty sure. <laughs> uh, 
I guess you can kind of tell what movie we're going to be doing, but I know we had like a week off. How's everyone been doing? We got Dow. We have Amanda, myself, the tripod. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I was like, I was like triumvirate, you know, like three amigos and he went with tripod. Yeah. Okay. We're good. (laughs) We're good. We're we're fantastic. Yeah. Uh, We're going to be talking about a movie. Um, that is a staple in our household. Mm. It's one of my favorite movies. I've been waiting to do this movie since we started a podcast week. almost a year ago. What? Don't do that to him. You're like the kid in the back of the classroom with the little quips. <laughs> with your little quips. <laughs> I am. I'm going to start calling her quips. That's that's her nickname. Amanda that's quips. I mean, like Miranda sings, Amanda quips. That's funny. <laughs> that's funny. So we're going to be doing 2006's The Devil Wears Prada. I'm just excited. I'm in such a good mood now. A couple things on the movie. The film premiered in the United States on June 30th, 2006, 15 years ago. This was shocking to me. It brought in $326 million worldwide on a, 40, on a $41 million budget, making it the 12th highest grossing film of 2006. How did it only cost $41 million to make? What did Meryl take for the role? Four million. Four million for Meryl. And the story goes, she was actually offered two. And she was going to take it. So then she kind of baits them. And she tells the producers, you know what? This isn't verbatim. She basically was like, I'm worth more. So you will pay me double or I will not do this movie. And they did. What a a street move. It's Meryl, man. But I always, always, always like to start off with a question. (laughs) One that you guys are completely unaware of, but I did give you guys some things to look up to or not look up to. I I gave you guys, I didn't look anything up some, some cliff notes as to what this question could possibly be. Oh, okay. I see. see. It was think about Anne Hathaway, 2000s movies and 2000s fashion. High fashion or everyday fashion? That was a good question. Just all the fashions. (laughs) Um, you had none of them, so I didn't. Oh, I really didn't. He did. He had 1995 fashion in the 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> I believe we've already talked about puka shells and or <laughs> low rise jeans. <laughs> low rise jeans are making a comeback. They already came back. What did we wear when they were low rise? Bell bottoms, flares, jinkos, boot cut, boot cut, low low rise boot cut, boot cut. Oh, Nobody had a pair of boots. No, but they all had. They had Steve Madden, though. I went to school in the ghetto, so we had Fat Farms and Nautica boots. Nautica, a lot of Mark Echo over there. <laughs> huh? Nautica, oh man, or the pol- the polo boots. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, everyone had those. Oh yeah, I switched schools from the poor school to the rich school between eighth grade and freshman year. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, and I showed up to school and I was like, I don't know what any of these kids are wearing. <laughs> Everybody was wearing Abercrombie and Fitch. And I'm like, what is that? Is that even a thing? Is that a store? I don't even know where you buy that. Is yeah. that the cologne store at the mall? Because it smells where like you, every time you walk yeah. by. Where do you get that at Target? <laughs> uh, so question, 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 question. Sure. It's super easy. And I think, I think we're all going to agree on this. Is this a top five movie of the 2000s? The first decade, the, two, the 2000s, the aughts. Such a broad question. Think about, <laughs> think about it. Uh, Top five movie. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> what? It's super easy. Listen. Name. Okay, wait. Name. Then some the answer is no. If the, if the answer is easy, then the answer is no. Name some movies. The, ten years is a really big like, and it's um, so recent. Okay, I'll go Gladiator. You got okay. Gladiator, Hurt Locker. I got you. Here we go. Avatar no. was in there somewhere. Yeah, Avatar was in there. Um, oh my god, it's one of my favorite movies in two thousand. Are we just talking about the? No, no, no. I mean, you're talking about best picture Oscar winner. Not best picture, just just all of them. Crash is in there. I'm just kidding. There's a bunch of movies in the in the 2000s. You have Training Day. Training Day didn't win an Oscar for best picture. Oh, that's definitely better than this movie. I w- I'm I'm just saying, is it in the top five? The original Fast and Furious came out in the 2000s. 2001. Yeah. Harry Potter first came out in 2001. I. I, I the I'll, first I'll, Harry Potter was not good, though. No, it was not. It was um, magical, but not good. Absolutely. It got me to actually read the books, but it's not No good. Country. For, no, I'm sorry. No. The one I couldn't think of earlier was No Country for Old Men. That's that, like, was not in the, or that was not before 2010. No Country for Old Men was in 2007. One of the best pictures that year. How old am I? Pursuit of Happiness. No, wait, wait, wait. No Country for Old Men was in 2007. Yes, it was. No. Yes. <laughs> okay, so... There are ton of movies in- I'll, I'll, yeah i'll give you this in terms of like generationally like i'd say speak to a generation i'd say maybe i'll give you top five yeah we'll talk about this later but like you put in the outline like the katie tunstall song opening scene and as soon as like i've never i'd actually never seen this movie before and when that opened i was like i'm back like i'm back to <laughs> right. 2000 like <laughs> It's so like 2006. Would, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So I would give you maybe as a generational movie that embodied what that time was like. I'll give you top five. Top five movie 2000s. Ugh, I mean, come on, man. There's a lot it's, of good movies in there. That was a good time for movies. Yeah. Least, I mean, especially the, the 2007 year. It was a it was a great year. Like one of the best, I think, in movie Super history. Bad. Mean Girls. Mean Girls was 2004. Just think of all the movies we used to watch basically in our late yeah. teens, early twenties. Mm-hmm. I think this is the one that to me sticks out the absolute most. You're right. I think you I think you hit the nail right on the head. It's a generational movie. Yeah. It defines a generation, and we're gonna get into that a little bit later. But Amanda, mm. you know I love this movie. Why do you love this movie? I don't know. I think it's a fun hang. Mm. Just in general. You like it for like way deeper reasons than I do. Oh, I want to hear your reasons, Ryan. Mine is super, like, it's just superficial. Like, I just like it because it's fun. And it is it is the generation of movie that I just like. So that early 2000s, mid-2000s, I like those movies. They're not all top quality, but they're what okay. I like. That's the other thing I was about to say, is it feels like a 2000s movie. Like, when you say, like, yes. um, all those movies, like, uh, what was that Drive Me Crazy, like... That also yeah. had Adrian Grenier, like, you know what I mean? Crossroads. Yeah. Like, all of these movies had a very specific feel. This one had it, but was also a good movie, right? Wow, you're going to put it? this movie in that category with, like, well, no, Crossroads? I'm saying, <laughs> hold on. It had it, but it's it's high quality, and exactly. it grew up with us. Exactly. Slightly. It's a, so that, it's a grown-up version of it. Exactly. Like, I would say earlier than that, like, you had, like, what we would talk about as generational movies, like, She's All That. Um, 10 Things I Hate About You, but that was before then, I think, right? Yeah, that was like 98, 99. So that was an encompassing generational movie of the 90s. Right. This is that genre of movie, but it's also a great movie. Agreed. One of the things I I like about this movie, 
and not to veer off topic, but to me, when you say uh, she's all that 10 things I hate about you, you automatically think about the 90s. And sometimes it takes a few years into the next decade for a movie to feel like the 2000s. This movie feels like a 2000s movie, which is why I put it in that category of just the 2000s, because I think like one, I mean, oh, six, oh, seven, those movies when when they are when they take place in that particular year or that particular time frame, like it does feel like a 2000s movie. You have like the cell phones. It's like a constant do, 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 like the entire <laughs> time. You remember during that time, ringtones were always just going off constantly. People would just... 99 no, cents. Right. No, no one knew what vibrate or to put it on silent men at the time. You had no, to turn yeah, that phone wasn't a thing, off, was it? Right? Yeah, yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah. So you could turn it down, but you couldn't turn it off. Right. So yeah. in you know in that case it's just one of those things. Um, at the time, what drew me to this movie was probably the God. This is probably controversial. Started off probably the worst character in this movie is probably the reason why I watched this movie to begin with. Yeah, remember 06 was like that, oh, that we entourage. Know. High. We know you've <laughs> so, made many a many a <laughs> reference. The people know your tastes. I wanted to see Adrian Grenier in a real movie, and I you know fan of Anne Hathaway. I liked her from Princess Bride. I liked her a lot previous year when she did Brokeback Mountain. I thought she was great in that. Great car yeah. scene, if you know what I'm talking about. Anyhow. You didn't enjoy her in Ella Enchanted? No, I'm good. Princess Diaries. <laughs> she was in Ella Enchanted? Yeah, she, she was is Ella. Ella. No, that's Ella. Oh, oh, wait. Oh, I'm thinking of Enchanted? What's yeah. the one with um? Oh, Amy Adams? Enchanted. 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 Not okay, to be okay. confused with Ella okay, Enchanted. <laughs> Okay, I got you. Even though it's the same exact premise. Oh, that's the one where she can't, like can't tell a lie or she can't like she can't say anything mean. Okay, I don't know. Right. go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. So going into the movie, I thought, okay, I want to see what he can do with everybody, and I thought I'm just going to go in and watch a romantic comedy about a girl choosing between her career and her boyfriend, and it was not that. That's a subplot, but it's not the reason why this movie succeeds or why I love this movie. The movie it has so many great like one liners. I mean, it, and it's about something, as you guys can tell, especially you two. I've lived with both y'all. It's I know nothing of fashion. I could give a mm. shit about yeah. fashion. And I was obsessed with watching this movie every time it played on like HBO, cable, whatever. I would watch it. Dad, I, didn't, I know you mentioned a little while ago that this was the first time you see this movie. Did you enjoy this movie? I did. I did. And a piece of me wishes that I had seen it during the time frame, because one of the things that I enjoyed most about it and um, was I feel like at that point, all of us would have had the same feeling about starting our first career job. Right. Exactly. And that is one of the things that drew me most into this movie was just remembering your first job, like feels very much like that, where your first day people just say stuff to you. And you're like, I don't know what any of that means. And, oh, yeah. just, and and then they're just like, I don't have time to tell you what it means. Like, go <laughs> figure it out. Like, so, yeah, I, I, I did enjoy this movie. I think one thing that I forgot to mention when you asked me why I love this movie is I, I genuinely looked at that cast top to bottom and was like excited. Obviously, I love Meryl Streep. I think she's probably the best actress of the last, I don't know. Since she's probably the best actress ever, to be completely honest. The, the Academy obviously thinks so with her 20-some nominations and whatnot. Sure. But 
prior to this, like the only movie I vividly remember her in are the two that she got Oscar either noms or wins for, which was Kramer versus Kramer, which she's awesome. And then Sophie's Choice. What I kind of felt like at the time in 2006 was Anne Hathaway was going to be the next breakout star. She was going to be the next big thing. And then you're going to put her with like the godfather of acting, in other words. Sure. Together in the same movie. Along with like Stanley Tucci, who's always been like that guy you've seen in every movie where I think this really cements him as he is Stanley Tucci and you will always know who he is because he has like the best lines in this movie here and there. He's got the sass. He's just he's just a badass. And you have yeah. Benny Chase and you have this this kind of like put together, crazy, gorgeous British actress, you're like, ah, where have I seen her? And you realize you've never seen her before because this is her first actual movie. No way. I was going to ask that. Like, I, yeah, okay, go ahead. So, no, 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 we can talk about it. This was her first movie. And you know how she got this part? No. She, (laughs) (laughs) somebody who was casting for this movie heard her speaking in the parking lot where another casting or another casting call was for another movie that she didn't get heard her in the parking lot talking was like, yes, that's the voice we need that. That's who I think Emily is. Wow. And then they had her come in. She got the part and who would have known 15 years later, she's probably on a tier above Anne Hathaway at this point in time. Oh yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I do want to get into who this benefited more later on down the road, whether it be Meryl Streep, whether it be Anne Hathaway, whether it be Emily Blunt, but cast top to bottom. I can't think of a movie where every single main cast member had some type of breakout from this movie. No, I I absolutely agree. And I mean, that's just nuts about Emily Blunt because like, like you said, like out of everyone in this movie, like who's the highest lister at this current moment, you'd have to pick her. Right. Right. Even more than Meryl. Meryl kind of I think she picks her spots more so that like, you know, she's a legend. Right. But like in terms of like, who are you centering movies around? Like Emily Blunt is absolutely like like top two billing in every movie that she's in. Absolutely. Whereas Meryl Streep now kind of almost feels like a Daniel Day Lewis. And the fact yes, she just picks. Right. I always like to do this sometimes. We've talked about it before is you look at the cast and you're like, who could play so and so? There is no other person I could think of that could play Miranda Priestly. Like, that is that person. It feels like everything she does in the movie is so calculated. Oh, it is. Everything from her speech. Yeah. Her the, voice. Like, the speed look. in which she speaks. The tone in which she speaks is very, very direct. And it's made to make you feel a certain way. Or I guess it's m- meant to make Anne Hathaway feel a certain way. But you feel it, too. Right. And y'all do know that this movie was based off of a book, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. And so Miranda Priestly is supposed to be a representation, not an exact copy, a representation of the editor from Vogue. Anna Winter. Anna Winter. Yeah. And I know that because of the hills. <laughs> Dude, you, you, you sandbagging son of a bitch. I want, remind me to come back to that. Before we hit the stop button on the recorder, remind me to come okay. back to the hills. Okay. So... I can't see anybody playing Miranda Priest. Sure. But is there anyone here that you would replace? I mean, I could honestly just see you replacing Vinny Chase. Mm -hmm. That would break your heart. But I mean, again, it's a thing where like everybody else is so perfect for the role. And like, yeah, maybe Simon Birch's character. 
Simon, uh, Simon oh uh Simon Baker oh Simon Baker what was oh Simon Birch is that movie about that little kid right <laughs> <laughs> sorry Simon Baker Simon Baker is the uh the mentalist yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like him because the mentalist was a complete ripoff of psych and it I was. love psych I love psych Dulé Hill that's my guy I can do that yeah I I think we put the same that we would both replace Adrian Grenier in this, but I would have made him edgier or I would have put an edgier actor at that time in that spot. And like the first person that came to mind was like a Colin Farrell, like that type of edgy, like an Irish, I, like edgy drinking I, I, chef. It's the wrong kind of edgy. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. What kind Go of ahead. edgy is Colin Farrell, Amanda? He's like actually dangerous edgy. <laughs> <laughs> Nate's character is more of like a insecure. Yes. He's not edgy. He's just doesn't have everything together necessarily. What if though you switched Simon Baker and Adrian Grenier to switch parts? No. I don't know. I, I, think, thought. I, don't, I don't buy it. Simon Baker's older and he represents like this. That's yeah. He He's the opposite of Nate. Yes. In that like. He's got his shit together. He's got a career path. He's successful. Yeah. He's, you know, he's he's a he's a grown up. I think the look would have been awkward because again, like Amanda said, I think the age difference, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Simon Baker looks older and Adrian Grenier will always look like, you know, like he's 32 years old. Yeah, like 34 like, years old and could date your mom or date your yeah, sister. Like Vinny Chase, yeah. Like Vinny You just see you just see Vinny Chase. Well, <laughs> And it's true, you just do, so I was thinking, like, okay, you swap them parts, but then you still make, you make Simon Baker not a chef, you make him a writer, and so he's kind of just like, I don't know, I just see him wearing just like a, a, a sweater, and just writing, and then, like, they fall out of love, and Adrian Grenier plays the Simon Baker part, but he's not a writer, he's like a, mo- not a model, but like, in the industry, model designer type guy that's just like super good looking that would draw you in that would I can open up all these doors for you kind of like Simon Baker did but I don't know it's just a thought I just sure. you know, I just wanted justice for my boy that's all yeah we know I'm trying to figure it out yeah it's not, I, it's not, not gonna happen is I, it I, I, well I also say this I also say this both characters are so like fluid and general I think it's tough to tie it down to a specific look or a specific acting type Whereas every other character is very solid in their writing. You know what I mean? Which is why I think it's tough to see any other person playing them because they had so much meat and they gave such amazing performances with the meat given. Whereas those two characters more had more of a like, you could have gone a lot of different ways with that. Right. Um, I think one of the other people, I forgot to mention this, who was up for Anne Hathaway's part as Andy was Rachel McAdams coming i guess off of mean girls and a couple other things and i think maybe but yeah i think yeah i think stanley tucci is obviously like the perfect choice for that fun fact stanley tucci and emily blunt are related (gasps) they are brother and sister-in-laws whoa cool who married whose sibling uh stanley tucci married emily blunt's sister like oh. like five years after this. Oh my God. Could you imagine those Thanksgivings like John Krakowski, Emily Blunt, Stanley Tucci? Like that is, 
That is fun. That's fun. Right? That's fun. Yeah. That's a fun. Oh. And now you bring up John Krasinski. I was just giving you shit. What did I say? Krakowski? Krakowski, something like that. That's Jane um, Krakowski. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Huge fan of the Devil Wars Prada. Apparently, he's seen it more times than me, which is hard to believe. But when half the time you watch it, it turns out to be the Devil Wears Nada. Mm, never mind. Anyway, a couple of things I want to touch on. You're just going to breeze right over that? Yeah. It's a very embarrassing okay. story. I wish not to. What is the story? I don't know it. Just quickly sell it. You can, you right. can edit it out. I want to know. Real quick. It was also in the group chat, and I don't know what that is. I had a hell of a week at work. This is when me and Amanda worked together at the airport. Hell of a week. It was just bad. Bad, 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 bad. And this is back when you could actually look up like what movies on your cable guide, like on your TV, mm. on your DVR, whatever, were coming up, right? So it was a Friday. I was going to close. I had a three-day weekend. I was going to get off at like 2 in the morning. All I wanted to do, or I remember that day, I was going through, and I was like, oh, my God, the Devil Wears Prada is playing tonight at like 1.30. By the time I get off work, let me go ahead and record it. Now when I get home, <laughs> I'll watch that. I'll pick up my Whataburger. Whataburger, Devil Wears Prada, going into three-day weekend. Fucking awesome. Get home. Pick up my Whataburger. Great. Start it up. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, I don't remember. Like, <laughs> like Bowtie Productions? What? What is this? Bowtie Productions. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, my God, did I record? And I looked at the guide. I was like, no, it says the devil. <gasps> it was the devil wears nada. Was it on Cinemax? Yes, it was, nice. a cinema, it was a Cinemax late at night porno that I wound up recording. I went ahead and watched the first 15 minutes of it just to you? see Why if it kind of like intertwined. Yeah. Did it? It, it? it tried. Okay. There was no suddenly I see, but you suddenly did see some <laughs> things. Start you got to find a way to leave. You want to hear a funny story about that? Sure. Amanda? Yes. No, I don't. Yeah. Amanda. So me and me and me and Ryan one time, we were in uh, the apartment when we lived with the beak and me and Ryan were watching Cinemax late at night and then oh we're like, God. a beak, come watch this with us. And he's like, no, that's gay. And I'm like, we're looking at boobs. How's that gay? <laughs> like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I never understood how like. Guys could just sit in a room and watch porn together like that. It's not weird. It's not. It's weird. not weird. And we're not talking about like real hardcore porn. We're talking about like Cinemax porn. It's funny. It's like like dry humping naked. <laughs> yeah. It's making like the weirdest faces, and you're like, "What the fuck is going on here?" Yeah. Okay. You keep telling yourself. And we do. We do. <laughs> I always love to talk about the Oscars. It was nominated for two Oscars. Meryl for Best Actress in a Leading Role, and it was nominated for Best Achievement in Costume Design, whereas Meryl lost to Helen Mirren for The Queen, and Best Achievement in Costume Design went to Marie Antoinette that year. Honestly, was surprised it wasn't nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay that year, basically was because it was based mm-hmm. on a book. Mm-hmm. But coming to realize the book and the movie are like completely different. Like they cut mm-hmm. out half of like the book and so I don't think it was like a direct adapted deal from the movie. It, it was, was inspired on it. it. Right. Yeah. Like Ready Player One, which Ryan has never seen. I've seen it. Oh, oh, you have seen it. Seen it. He's never read it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. That. Yeah. That. That would. That. That would. I would. If that get one. If that was nominated for adaptation, I would be livid. Yeah. Patricia Fields, who was the costume designer for this movie, spent a million dollars on the wardrobe, which I actually yeah. was a little shocked by because I figured it'd be more. Like, because there's a lot of designer shit. You know what I mean? They had like a four minute montage of just like outfit changes every day, every day, every day. But then that's the question. Is it like 
did she design those herself based on looks or did she get actual clothes? Because maybe that's why it's a million dollars, right? That's true. Like, yeah, she had to purchase. And I, you know, I it wouldn't surprise me though if she made a lot of the clothes, especially make it look the way it did. Because one of the things about Anna Winter finding out, knowing that they were going to do a movie that was based kind of not in the best light of her, she went out and told, or her team went out and told a bunch of designers, mm-hmm. models, people mm-hmm. like, hey, mm-hmm. don't be a part of this because if you are, that's you will very feel Miranda. the wrath of Vogue. Yeah, very that's very Miranda. Miranda right? That's so interesting. Is it really a negative light, though? Because, I mean, are we going to go there right now? Oh, no, we're, we'll, wait, we'll get to there. We're going to get to okay, there. We'll I, know, I know what you're going to get to. Yeah, we're going to get to okay. that. Um, what do you remember about the first time you saw this movie? Ooh. That was so long ago. <laughs> Amanda, you wrote something. Come on. Did I? Yes. Yeah, that's why yes, I brought it. You that's why did. I came back to it. Yes, you did. <sighs> when? <laughs> When did he put that in the outline? <laughs> did he just put that now? Oh, really? That's what it is? I don't know. That's what you put last that's week. What you put. That's what you put. Him <laughs> no, I didn't realize that's where you were going with it, though. Oh. I remember thinking, yes, Miranda, I do want to be you. <laughs> well, it's funny that you mentioned that because she, Meryl Streep, actually changed that line in the movie. Oh. Her, originally, the way it was written was supposed to be "Everyone wants to be me," mm. and she changed it. She was like, "No, no, 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 no! It would be better if everyone wants to be us." Mm. So it's funny though, but the sentiment still remains the same. Sure, you're right. Just like Amanda said, I do want to be you, mm-hmm. and not necessarily you—the universal you of sure. being this, you know, editor in chief that kind of rules with an iron fist. It was just a woman who was looked at and respected in such a way where it teetered on fear, but you knew that this woman knew what she was doing. Yes, always, exactly. always had the magazine mm-hmm. above everything else. Yes. Like the, the scene where um, she reveals that she's getting divorced and Anne Hathaway is like, what else can I do for you? And she's like, your job. Right. She is like a Greg Popovich. She is like a, where the team is more important than the individual, including myself. Like all of this is bigger than all of us. And I can keep that in perspective. And I always keep that in perspective. I wrote a little summary. Okay. And it's going to kind of go into a little bit of what we want to talk about here on the, uh, the deeper plot discussion. So if you haven't seen the devil works Prada, it's 15 years old, man, watch this movie. It's great. It's one of the best of the two thousands. Our protagonist millennial takes a job at a fashion magazine that would be this universe's Vogue with an editor-in-chief played by one of the top five actors of all time in Meryl Streep. Streep and her fabulous hair, because that's aged the best, rule this magazine as any true leader of the gold standard magazines in fashion should, unapologetically, brilliantly, all while doing so without raising her voice above a whisper. And we'll get back to that as to why she does it. Like any millennial entering the workforce in 2006, our millennial is called out for her lack of commitment to the job that, quote, a million girls would kill for and could open doors for her future in journalism. Along the way, she gains experience and earns the respect of her counterpart in Emily, her mentor in Nigel, and is another notch on the bedpost of a, quote, hot fashion journalist, all (laughs) while losing her relationship with her chef boyfriend and learning the key lesson all millennials learn. 
your first job out of college won't be your last. That's all. I like it. I like that a lot. Yeah, good job, man. Thanks, That's great. It's no uh, Antonio. It's not Antonio. No, but I think it's. It I think it's good. In yeah, it has its yeah. I want to talk about the whisper real quick, and I, this blew my freaking mind, and I was like, yes, that is awesome. Do you know why Miranda whispers, or when she talks, it's very low? Because everybody is listening. It forces you to listen. Right. So Meryl Streep came up with that, and she was like, hey, Miranda's going to speak with a very low, calm tone, and she got that from Clint Eastwood. Really? He directs that way. He does that so you always have to lean in and listen. Mm. I thought that was brilliant. If they care about what you're saying. True, true. But I had a boss that was like that. And it was I every time he did when he did speak, it was like, oh shit. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. So yeah, so let's just let's just do what we do. We run through the beginning, middle, and the end, talk about our favorite scenes. Dad, you kick us off. So well, I took your scene, the beginning, and Go for it. uh yeah, so the Katie Tunsil song and all the girls prepping for work. Um, like you said in the outline, it illustrates what it is to be in the middle of your first job versus the beginning of your first job. Right. Right. Like all those other girls knew exactly where they're working and exactly what the expectations were, and they met those expectations. Whereas she thought that she could do it like out of college where she just wears what she wears, shows up, Somebody's going to recognize her talent, and that's all that mattered, when in reality, a job is so much more than that, especially your, especially when you're the new the new person. And here's the thing. She wasn't even showing up to her first day at work. She was showing up to an interview. Yeah. And, you know, this is one, I've, as many times as I've seen this movie, more than Suicide Squad, Antonio, <laughs> um, I never caught until this time, or, you know, a time or two ago, we watched it a few times this week, she basically tells Miranda in her interview that she got a call from HR of the publishing company that's that owns that building, that Ellison, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was either auto trader or this job. My like who gosh, the fuck would say that gosh. in a job interview? You so entitled, <laughs> but that's a us growing up thing. Really though? Would you, I mean, yes, listen, listen. And that's why you only noticed it now. Maybe. Yeah. You got me there. Okay. Because, Back then, for the most part, you go to college, you like, I mean, we were like, you know, you, you are successful, quote unquote, successful in college, right? So like, at that point, you feel like whatever I do is fine, right? And so why would that not be okay? Because you don't understand the magnitude of what it is that you're actually doing or where you are or whose footsteps you are following in, right? And that's why I love Emily Blunt's quote at the end of the movie when they look at the new girl and Emily Blunt's like, you have huge shoes to fill. Yeah. And that girl kind of gets it more than right. Anne Hathaway got it. Right. So like you just don't understand like the hard work that went into building what it is that you're stepping into. And you don't appreciate that. From the minute the, the Katie Tunsil song comes on to – Miranda saying that's all that entire like first 10 minutes. I'll consider that one whole scene, that continuous scene. Mm-hmm. It sets the table for the movie. And I watched a movie last night um, that the first 15 minutes of this movie, it's a, it was a great movie. I don't want, I don't want to say what the movie was, but it was a great movie. One of the best, I think of, of the 2010s. 
but you didn't know what you were getting into. This movie set the table. You knew exactly. You were like, okay, this girl has no idea about fashion. She has no no idea what she's in for. Hey, mm-hmm. you are going to be the assistant to like the fucking man. Sure. And it's just oblivious. I, it's like I just it's like if you walked into Amazon and you were Jeff Bezos's assistant. You're like, and you're like, well, you know, I was either gonna like I'm I'm like a programmer and I was gonna work here or like for some dinky startup. I don't know, whatever job called me first. Crazy. I mean, what was your favorite scene in the beginning? Um, so this is gonna sound very like off the wall, but I really like the scene where Andy's coming home or Andy's come home from like, I don't, I guess it's her first day of work and she's just like talking shit nonstop about, about runway and Miranda Priestly to Nate. Mm-hmm. Um, because her words are saying she hates it, but she cannot stop talking about it at the same time. So you can see where it's go, Like you can see where the whole entire story is going in that scene because you see Nate like feigning interest, even though he really doesn't give a shit. No. And she just cannot stop talking about it. It's kind of like how when I talk about work, you just do not give a shit, but you pretend to. I care. <laughs> As they say you in pretend. this movie, to the jobs that pay our rent, to the jobs that pay our mortgage. Yeah. Yes. It, 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 was, it was reminiscent for me because obviously I watched this recently for the first time. It was very reminiscent of the scene in the mall when Katie Heron was talking to Janice about mm-hmm. Regina George. Mm-hmm. And she's just saying all this stuff. But at the same time, Janice is like, it sounds like you're kind of obsessed with her. Yeah. I mean, that's what a lot of like in that time, that's what a lot of women did. I would I wouldn't even say women. I would just say people. Just people. Yeah. When that's what people did is like with instead of just like saying or giving somebody their due and their credit, they want to bring them down a notch. Yeah. Because they don't you feel know? like they're being appreciated. Right. Yeah. Well, that ties nicely into my the, the scene in the middle of the movie that I like the most is your scene at the beginning is the I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, but I can't stop talking about it. My scene is when Nat, uh, when Nat, when Nate and Andy have their falling out, where he calls her out and says, "I I see you are one of them. You are a clacker, but why don't you just admit it? At least have some integrity in that standpoint." The pivotal point in the movie to me is in that middle part where he calls her out on it and she she has you've seen her like cross over to the dark side you know what i mean Mm -hmm. she has become that and she realizes that there's a lot more to these people than just their clothes that clothes is just their vessel you know what i mean to get to you know where they want to be but they but i think she recognizes how hardworking and determined exactly people are exactly doubt about you so I picked something that I thought was the pivotal scene in the middle of the movie, which is when Miranda berates Anne Hathaway and then she immediately goes to Stanley Tucci and he's like, well, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. You want me to sit there and just say, oh, poor Andy, like you're messing this job up. Right. Right. Like you're not trying. You're ruining this because you don't understand what it is like. And then when he brought up his own experience of like, this is for that kid that has five brothers and who sits underneath his bed sheet just pouring over these magazines, just hoping 
like not even hoping because he didn't even hope at that point because he thought there was never a way just like dreaming that maybe one day he could be a part of all this and you know how hard Stanley Tucci worked to get to where he was I feel like that's a that's a lesson that we all learn through our first job is like people are working hard at their job maybe not that's not why everyone is successful but like you got to work like you got to put in the effort you know what I mean like you can't just be a placeholder there. I think one of the best quotes of the entire movie is, he goes, you have no idea how many legends have walked these halls. And what's worse, you don't care. Because this place where so many would die to work, you only deign to work. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the wake-up call for her. Yeah, obviously. exactly. It was exactly. like, shit. I am being entitled and lazy, and maybe I just can't get my ass in gear I want to. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but we'll move on from there. Uh, what about you, Amanda? What was your favorite in the middle? So my favorite scene in the middle is the scene leading up to that, where they're trying to pick out the look for some kind of spread, mm-hmm. and Andy kind of giggles over the turquoise belt or the blue yeah. belt, and then they go into the deep dive in Cerulean and the fashion history of that, and how she it ultimately ended up. That that color blue ultimately ended up in a sales bin where you picked it out of. Yeah. But we like we chose that for you five years ago or whatever. You think you're above this, but you are literally in the middle of it. Yeah. That scene is probably my favorite scene in the entire movie. My most favorite scene in the entire movie. I mean, it's the most identical. Like if you when you say the devil wears Prada, that scene comes to mind. Sure. Yeah. Because I think it all makes everybody stop and think. I was one of the ones that, like I said at the beginning, I have no sense of fashion. I don't know anything about the fashion industry. And it took me a few times to hear that monologue and say, the shirt I'm wearing is because somebody somewhere, an actual real designer, did something in this color. And then it just made its way on down to fucking Old Navy, American Eagle, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hollister, Dillard's. You know what I mean? And I'm wearing this design because of that. It blew my mind. It was something I never even thought about. Never, ever, ever. Yeah. I mean, what about the the last part of the movie? Your favorite scene? It's kind of a it's kind of a twofer. It's the scene where um, Stanley Tucci is excited about potentially getting that promotion mm. or getting the new job, and you see him look out the window, and he's like, "I finally get to." come to Paris and see Paris um, because it's the complete opposite of what he seems like he feels about his job. Yes. He, he lives and breathes this job. And then at this moment when he's, he sees freedom, he's like, this is the first time in my life where I'm going to get to be free to make my own choices. Um, and a lot of people fall into that. Yeah. And you kind of see that too, with like the scene where they're doing the urban jungle scene. Mm-hmm. And he just seems like kind of upset and like over it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he in, he obviously like everybody in their jobs are looking to the next step. And he knows that this is a step to go there. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. So that scene tying into, of course, the scene where um, they're at the, the dinner and, sh- and Miranda announces that Jacqueline is going to be taking the role that Stanley Tucci thought he was going to, or Nigel thought he was going to get. Um, just watching Stanley Tucci play out that, or act out that scene. Was really good. Was, is amazing and heartbreaking. Yes. 
and it's not it's thing. it's handled so well. It's so subtle, and he keeps Everything. it going. He know like I he just, does it exactly the way you expect him to do it. Right. Yes. Him him as Stanley Tucci, but also him as Nigel. <laughs> like, yes. Whereas the average person, the person who would be blindsided like that, would be like, "Wait, what?" Or have this shock look. He just rolls with it. And I, I would even say, not even the average person, but like somebody in Anne Hathaway's role, where yeah. it's like a new job, she would be extremely upset. But Stanley Tucci understands that these are the, this is the way the world works. Right. Right. And hopefully, I get another shot. But right now, I'm just crushed. But I have to keep a face because if I don't. That next shot's not going to come either. Right. Exactly. For me, it was the car ride scene with the exchange of like, like, um, I think back to the office when Michael Scott is watching Devil Wears Prada and he does all the actions. And at the end, he's like, I'd like to apologize. I didn't realize that she was the bad guy. Like, and honestly, that was my, that was my only really big exposure to that movie. So I just kept watching. I was like, oh my God, look, he did the, he did the, the coat scene where he throws the coat on the thing. Like she did it. Yeah. Steak. Steak. He's like, you are not going to Paris. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of my favorite cold opens of all the office. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that she was, because of course, like, and what's crazy is like, even Michael Scott, who's a paper He's a manager at a paper company, understands that Miranda Priestly is awesome. Right. Yeah. And that's who he wants to be. Right. He, he wants, wants to, to lead like, yeah, he wants to lead like she does. And so he emulates all that. And then at the end, he's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she was the bad guy. <laughs> um, I beg to differ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. We can talk about that. We can um, about. Mine was the, the divorce scene where... Uh, you just see it's in Paris. You see Miranda with no makeup, mm. very just. What are they going to say? What about my girls? Like you do see a human element to her, and you're like, wow, maybe she's just an extremely driven woman. Like this woman is just she's mean, but she's a phenomenal at her job. And like you said earlier, is there anything I can do? Your job, yeah. And and that- that's when you knew. Like I think I, I see. What's funny is when I was 20 and watched this movie or 21, when I watched this movie, I was like, she's still a bitch mm. fast forward 15 years. And I'm, or, you know, throughout the time as I got older, I was like, no, she's absolutely right. Like, this is my personal stuff. If there's anything you can do for me is to do your fucking job. Yeah. And we will be just fine. Like, that's do what you, I like now. I'd be like, yeah, exactly. Just do your job. Do you consider that the most vulnerable she is in this movie? That scene? I would say maybe the other scene that I might point to where she shows vulnerability is at the very end when Andy waves to her mm-hmm. and she smiles. Right. Because at that point, she wanted the approval of Andy. And the fact that this person that she feels like Andy thinks that she's the worst person in the world. The look on her face when she leaves, right? Mm-hmm. When she right, thinks right, that right. she's going to follow her in and she leaves. A part of her is almost crushed because, again... She sees herself as Andy because I think she sees a goodness in Andy that she yeah. wants to believe that she has. And when she leaves, I feel like she feels like she's lost that, that maybe she doesn't think that. But at the end, when Andy waves to her and she gets in the car and she she smiles for that half a second, you know that she was seeking Andy's approval at that moment. So but I, I do agree with you. It, it, it's definitely the most real vulnerable part of the movie i'm gonna i'm gonna disagree okay go ahead 
I think it's the scene where um, Andy happens upon her and her husband uh, fighting. Mm. Because in that moment, she doesn't have control of Ooh. what people are seeing. Mm. When Andy comes in and sees Miranda crying, it's because Miranda let her let Andy see her cry. Right. Let Aunt, you know what I'm saying? She mm. let Andy into that moment. Mm. She did not let Andy in to that moment where her and her husband were fighting. Mm. Ooh, that's and that was the good. first moment where you could see like where where somebody was able to see, oh, your life's not all that it's cracked up to be. Yeah. And she didn't she wasn't the one that let Andy see that. She it just Andy saw it on her own. I see. Yeah. So in Miranda's like from Miranda's perspective, that's probably the most vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, we're going to jump into your section now, Dal, which is, I love yours, the deeper plot discussion. So to continue the discussion on Meryl Streep, Miranda Priestley, do you think people under 30 really value Meryl Streep? No. And how can they? That's the better question. How could they? You're I think right. 30 is the line. Maybe even my age, those 31. I think 31 might be the line. And that's honestly, I don't even think we appreciate Meryl Streep for what she is. Like, I don't know, man. That's why I think this movie was that first one that for our generation, for the 30 mm-hmm. and over, that you're like, oh my God, hey, there's this woman named Meryl Streep. Apparently she did a bunch of shit in the 80s, 90s, and, and before, but she's really good. You know what I mean? And she just crushes every, every role that she does, but I just don't think people value her. And I don't, and and I, I I'm going to go out on a limb and just say I she didn't win an Oscar for this movie. I think this might be the best character that she's portrayed because mm. I think the reason why she works so well as Miranda Priestly is because I think this was what a lot of people viewed that Meryl Streep was really like in real life because of how she has been the best. At her craft. I mean, she's been the best actress for the last 50 years, let's just say. The most celebrated, the most recognized, the most awarded. And you're going to look at her and you're going to say, Miranda Priestly is Meryl Streep. Like, that character is who that person is in real life. I think now we're starting to appreciate the Miranda Priestly character. And I sure. think... People, but I think that's an age thing, right? Yeah. No, obviously. Yeah, I that's an so. our age thing. Next one. Did this movie solidify in Hathaway as the quote unquote it girl of the first 20 years of cinema of the century. I think it did. Mm. I had a discussion with, with a, with a friend of ours about who benefited more from this movie Anne Hathaway or Emily Blunt. Mm-hmm. His response was Emily Blunt mm-hmm. because of what she did after this movie. Sure. Well, I mean, it was her first movie you had nowhere to go but up, you know what I mean, in a way. And mine was that I think Anne Hathaway benefited the most, and this is what made Anne Hathaway the it girl for the last 20 years. Yeah, like, it, it, like, there are definitely always mentions of, like, the next Julia Roberts. But my, my reason to think that it was Anne Hathaway was because she's not as good as, she's not as good as Meryl acting, but she goes toe-to-toe with her. And I think that it was the right point in her career that where she could stand toe to toe with Meryl in order to get the next couple roles, which after that came, you know, she got to work with Christopher Nolan in Dark Knight Rises and Interstellar. You know, she does an Oceans movie uh, where she kind of steals the movie in so many different ways. 
she gets Les Mis and gets an Oscar for that. Like she does Rachel's getting married. I know I'm going out of order. Oh, I love that movie. I but love she gets that nom- her, she gets her first nomination. She doesn't do any of that without this movie. Yeah, I think Emily Blunt had probably other roles that propelled her to where she is today. Right. And not necessarily this role. It just opened the doors to get those other roles. That role for Emily Blunt was uh, Live, Die, Repeat with Tom Cruise. Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow, right. Where she goes, like, that's a Tom Cruise movie. Yep. And Emily Blunt steals that movie from Tom Cruise. Yep, she does. And after that, she gets... Sicario. She gets Quiet Place, Quiet Place 2, Mary Poppins. I mean, that's where she goes on to do all these different things. So I just think it makes Anne Hathaway the hit girl. What do you think, Amanda? I'm going to agree with you. Ooh. ooh. What is this? What is this? <laughs> I don't this? know where to go from here. Oh. I'm just going to move on to the next one. We're in Bizarro World. What do I know? Oh. I tell you what you credit. do know. What? You know what look is best for Andy. What's Andy's best? <laughs> What's your favorite Andy look in this movie? Oh my God. There's only one good look. The rest of them can all go to hell. Wow. Wow. The drop waste should have never happened. It made everyone look like sausages. <laughs> we have no idea what you're talking about. The drop. Okay. So when they have the waistline that goes all the way down to the hip. So everything oh. looked like a little dress or like you pulled your shirt all the way down past your butt. Hold on. I'm going to pull it up and then we'll continue. So what's the only good look then? The white coat. The white coat. She's walking through the streets of New York to get to the office, and she's wearing a white coat. It's the only good look. I don't know. Dad, do you think she has a good look? What looks your favorite? You know, I I was going to say this, like, um, especially with movies that are a little, like, I don't know, I guess dated. Like, it's it's been 11 years. You normally look at the fashion in movies, and you're like, that's old. And I felt like in this movie, like, a lot of the fashion, like, you could almost have this movie today. Mm-hmm. And it not look as dated, mm. as dated, as dated. Like, I agree. Like you look at like, she's all that. Or I guess that's oh, a little yeah. bit older. So that's like unfair. But like, you're like, man, this is like you. This is a dated piece. Like the girls were watching Bring It On earlier this morning. And I was like, oh, my God, denim cargo pants. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like exactly. that's 99 right there or 2000 or the hell that movie came out. Next one. Is this movie how boomers view millennial workers? I think yeah. so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I th- and I think that's an age thing where before we would have been like, oh, man, this boss is so mean. And then now you're like, no, this boss has expectations for you. So I actually had before I watched the whole w- w- like as I type questions as I go. And one of the questions I had was, why does Meryl Streep hire Andy? And then she answers it. And she's like, I went with someone that I thought was intelligent. And you kept going on about how motivated you are. And I'm just so disappointed in myself. That was the scene that led to the Stanley Tucci, like, um, right. Stanley Tucci thing. And I think we're in a very unique position where we are millennials, but we're at the very tail end. Oh, yeah. Like, we're at the very beginning. Like, I think it's defined from, like, 83 or 82. Yeah. And, and if you were to ask me that from 80, from 83 to, like, 87, 88-ish, like, that five-year period, I think, is that your transition period. We're yeah. a little bit of both. You're the old yeah. school and you're the new school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually really like that look of the drop waist. Now that you point that out, Amanda, her first like, look at me the look. Line, the line goes all the way across your hips, which is the widest part of your body. 
It's stupid, and you look like you're wearing a pillowcase. That's that's how I feel about like the high waisted <laughs> Urkel look like, pants these days. I'm like, why do you have to look like Urkel? But apparently, that's a trend. She looks like an earthworm. I would take In an earthworm and Prada over Urkel. <laughs> um, last one: Is Vinny the most unsupportive boyfriend ever, or does he have a point where she's just lost herself? He's unsupportive, and that's why the end of the movie I almost have a problem with. Yes. What part? What? Vinny's the villain in this movie. He is. How? It's like she grew up and, and he, didn't he like didn't. That. And he didn't like that. That's what it felt like to me. Mm-hmm. And the end almost, it almost, it, to me, it felt like this. It felt like they might have had a different ending at the end. And then they test, they focus grouped it and they're like, we don't like that. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, this kind of goes back to what I was saying in the beginning where I was, I mentioned that Nate was like, you can't give. Nate to Colin Farrell because Colin Farrell's too confident in himself, whereas Nate is insecure. Like as she as Andy grows in this movie, he becomes more and more uncomfortable with it and more and more insecure about their own relationship. Now, mind you, she did something that probably made it a little bit insecure, but in general, like because her interests were changing, he wasn't okay with it. Yeah. And again, I think it's a thing where he didn't really understand what opportunity she had. And I, I I get it. It's like you hear her complain all the time. So it's tough to take that not for face value. But like she's thriving. Right. She's figuring herself out. And I think that's great. You know what I mean? And I don't know. I just felt like he was like almost holding her back from succeeding. Mm-hmm. You guys will run through some awards real quick. Sure. All right. We'll run through these pretty fast because we've kind of gone a little long on time. But you really don't want to agree with us on on Vinny Chase being the villain, huh? No, I mean, I, I definitely understand and see your point. I do. So, I mean, ultimately, I think it was smart for him to go off and kind of do what she did, which is I want to advance myself. And if that takes me moving out of New York City to go to Boston to work at this restaurant, that's what I'm going to do. Exactly. I think he learned a lot from her. Like, in that I, sense. That's why I don't like, disagree with you. I just hate seeing the word Vinny Chase villain. I don't like that. <laughs> The Tobey Maguire, Jordana Brewster Award for the uh, worst actor in this movie. I think we're all in agreement, right? Mm-hmm. Simon Birch. I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. Simon Baker. No. Birch. What? Who do you have? No. Name it. What's the name of the girl who plays Lily? Tracy Toms was in, what is it, Death Proof? One of those? She was good. You didn't like her? I don't her? know, but in, yes. No, Who's I Lily? I think she's Lily a shitty friend. The, I don't think that yeah, she... Yeah, she's a terrible friend. But yeah. But she oh. also overplays that character. That character is overdramatic. Wait, and I don't is, necessarily. Is it, is it the girl that was in um, uh, Rent? The one that gets the free bag? Yeah, I never. Okay. I don't remember seeing Rent. Yeah, she she's she's in Rent. She's in Rent. I'll get you know. I, I can respect your. I respect yeah, I, your, I do too. I do too. I can see. But that. I did I, love her other friend. Yes, Rich Summer. I hate him in the office though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but um. Like that scene where they're at the restaurant and Miranda calls and they start throwing the phone. Like again, rude. imagine Jeff Bezos is on the line. You pick Fucking up rude. the phone. Exactly. Yeah. You pick it up. And even <laughs> if it's not Jeff Bezos, even if it's not Jeff Bezos, That's right? Just, like it's honestly, that immature. would have been that would have been like friendship ended. I would have walked out with my phone and left. Yeah, I don't see why everyone was looking at her like she was being the bitch there. Like, no. but you do, you do because it's three children and one adult. Right. Yes. Uh, the Alonzo Harris Award for the best scene. I think 
again, we all agree. I, I mean, we're choosing yours, which was mm-hmm. the stuff scene. The Miranda Priestley monologue about... Like, you just see this as stuff. Right. Yes. Yeah. That's a yeah. fucking phenomenal scene. One of the best parts of that monologue is when she's like, I think it was Oscar de la Renta, or whatever, whatever, this, and I think we need a belt here. Like, she just goes into... She's telling a story into directing what she needs back to telling the story into telling you, you are dumb. And I'm going to tell you how dumb you are. I well, not how dumb, how blissfully unaware you are, how I run your life. And like you knowing. said, she does it in just such a calm tone. Calculated. Stuff. Yeah. Yep. Like, mm. like she's prepared that speech. Yeah. And, but that obviously all, doesn't feel that way. But, and to me, that was also the point at which I felt like Meryl Streep really wanted Andy to succeed. Because that wasn't necessarily her berating her to berate her. It was to educate her. Put her, put it in perspective for her. Yeah, like, I am trying to help you. You are not helping me. And that is your job, to help me. But in this moment, I will help you. Right. I get it. I love yeah. it. I love it, too. The AC Law of the Fourth Award. Dow, I have no idea why you put this person down. Please give me... St- uh, it, to me, it was... Uh, Nigel? Movie Stealer. No, Stealer. Like he's Oh, like, gotcha. Okay. He was like he was like Dusty and Twister. <laughs> yeah. Like every time he was on screen, I was like, Stanley Tucci, come on. Just give me more. Give me more. Like I love what you're throwing down. Just like that 06 AM basketball season. Exactly. You're just like, keep shooting that knuckleball, buddy. You oh. just keep you just keep chucking those threes. I don't know how they go in, but man, they are just <laughs> falling. There is no rotation in that no. ball. <laughs> I feel though like He's he is that in every single yes role he's in. Yes, it's tough to say. Like one of my favorite roles that he actually does. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but the uh, the film adaptation of Midsummer Night's Dream mm-hmm. when he plays mm-hmm. Puck. Puck. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, he's so good in that. And even I love him. like that's the, it, that's the role to play. It, it it could happen to you when he plays the ex husband too. Like he's so good at all of that. The one movie I cannot stand him in. And it's not him. It's the role is in the lovely bones. Mm. Oh, but yeah. that's how good he is. Right, right. How good you, he is. You're, you're, ugh, oh, so my bad. God. The ending scene in that movie where he sees another girl and then the ice. Oh, you're just like, oh, my God. It's it's like when I saw Robin Williams in 24 hours. A 24 hour photo or one hour photo. photo. Yeah. Yeah. Photo. yeah. You're oh, like, my God. Oh, you're just like, this? yeah, like I felt so uncomfortable. Mine is more the um, the AC law we've come to know, which is uh, I gave it to Adrian Grenier. You from 04 to like 09 from season two of Entourage to probably this movie. Yeah. And then that I was would it. say I would say you'd be surprised that his career didn't move forward. Uh, or it ended the like it's been the way it is, I guess. Right. Because, you know, the one thing you can say about Entourage is, yes, Entourage was it's it's a niche. It's a, a niche show where. Oh wow, we bros love it. But in that movie, several big time actors and directors come in and do cameos. And you have to work with those people when you're doing cameos with those actors in that deal. Like it really did surprise me that fucking James Cameron didn't throw him a bone. Like you couldn't play an extra in <laughs> Avatar. You know what I mean? Do you think that has to do with just him not being able to get work or that him or that he was choosing to 
from pursue other interests. The last time I talked to Adrian, it was more about just. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He does live in Austin. I believe he. I believe he's gone like super hipster because I've I saw him on like a cooking show. He's an I, eco warrior. Yeah, like I don't. He's yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember whose show it was, but it was very much like farm to table, grow your own stuff, and I felt like that's maybe where his. He's chosen to do something else. So in terms of a career, in terms of an actor. I think he chose to remove himself sort of from Hollywood. Saw the business and was like, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. The Mark Wahlberg Award for the best acting performance. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Hands down. Emily. Amanda. (laughs) What? Do you have it's, a different one? It's Meryl Streep. No. Okay. okay. Meryl Streep. Okay. It's always Meryl Streep. From everything yeah. from the whisper to the hair to just it's. Man, every glance. I'm telling you, man. Every like there are times she would look at Andy and I would be like, like I would like. <laughs> if we ever do another movie with Meryl, just go ahead and put her down there, too. OK, <laughs> just on. And it turns on a dime. Like you said, that very, very, very last scene where you see her, she has this look of. I'm I'm above you and then she smiles and then it switches back to go like yeah. annoyed <laughs> why have you not left yet yeah all within a five second span you get three different emotions and looks without even speaking a word yeah. to the very end when she smiled did you find yourself like hoping just for a little bit extra yes. of it yes. because yes. you just but so that, want her but to that's like, why it's like so you. good that's yeah. why it's so good because she would never give you more than that no, she would never she give wouldn't. herself more than that. Yeah. She's my Dow. When Dow's no, like, God bless. When Dow's like, you're, hey. Dow gives job. you so I'm much. Like, what oh are you God, I just about? want a little bit more. Just a little bit. <laughs> uh, quotes. I There's so many in this one. Yeah. Ryan, go ahead and tell us the one that you use Me? constantly. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> oh, I, are, I've y'all, been... are y'all, are y'all late, late? <laughs> no, well, no, no, no. Lucy's. <laughs> What that's one of my favorites is I, I just love the way she does it. Why is no one ready? And mm-hmm. she does it like to like a little like a little sound, like a little tune to she it. She sings yeah, it's sing songy of like it's why like she's talking to her children. Exactly. Like, yeah. come on, guys. Why yeah. is you know, mine is I am one stomach flew away from my goal weight. And every time <laughs> I feel like I'm about to pass out, I just eat a cube of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I do say that a lot. Amanda and I say that to a lot, or say that mm. to each other a lot. That's yes. sweet. Um, is it? It is. Your little thing. Little things are always sweet. There's a bunch. I know I said a couple throughout this, but that's the that's the those are the, the like the two main ones where I I just love. What about you, Dow? So I picked a couple. So mine was the trying to get a flight scene because you could see her trying, right, and trying and trying, but did she like? But she gave up, and I feel like that's a lesson for a lot of us. Is like. You just got to keep trying until you get the job done. And then the other one was I, I compared the trying to get the Harry Potter book to the pencil job in John Wick. Yeah. <laughs> like the stuff of legends. <laughs> like, like he killed five men with a pencil. And then he walks up to his son. And he's like, with a fucking pencil. pencil. <laughs> <laughs> and then a bunch of them were like the Meryl stuff where she's like, that's all. Yeah. Like, it's her yeah. period. Like, you can go. I've said what I said. And then the wasn't a question one. As that well. was good. Yeah. That's that's a no, good no. one. That wasn't a question. Yeah. I no, think no. it depends yeah. upon your sense of fat. No, no. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> What's the yeah. question? 
What was the I wrote those emails? So her dad's like, you know, you came out here to be a writer. Because she's oh, like, yeah. you're like, mom and I are worried about you. Like, you we're getting emails from you at like two in the morning, and you came out here to be a writer, and you're working as an assistant. She's like, well, I wrote those emails. <laughs> like, that's a, that's such a like a millennial response. Like, when my kids are like, I'm like, you haven't done four assignments. Like, you've done one out of four assignments in the last week, and she's like, I've done one. <laughs> Shouts to the dad. That's also a good one. When he's like, well, what does she want you to do? Airlift her out of there? And he's like, can I do that? <laughs> Like, that's stops. the mentality that's Mar- miranda would have gotten the 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 would have gotten her air lift you out yeah like hey miranda Priestley's having a heart attack we need a chopper there immediately to send her to the airport like or to send her to the hospital go get a chopper and go pick her up all right ratings 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 is this going to be a collective one probably not dad doesn't you do. mean like the number one no no no, no. like no, a collective, no, no. Like a collective like united front rating no, because Dow will not allow it. No. Oh, Dow, you're crushing. What's your what's your rating, Dow? Mine's a three. Good. I mean, I think it's a fantastic movie, but again, I guess I guess it's different too, right? Like this is the first watch for me. That's tough for me to put it in the pantheon of fours, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I gave Father of the Bride a four. That is ingrained in me as a person, and that's why I would give it unsolicited a recommendation, right? Like this movie is fantastic, and I and I definitely think. If you're like a 23-year-old kid with big dreams, you need to watch this movie. Because I feel like a lot of my kids, like even my kids are like, oh, you know, like I want to be YouTube famous or I want to be this or I want to be that. Or like one of my kids like, I just want to be an entrepreneur. I'm like, that's not a plan. That's just stuff you're saying. Like they need to understand like (laughs) the level of work it requires to be successful in these extremely competitive industries. You know what I mean? And I think this is a great movie that illustrates that. Amanda, what you got? I'm just going to give it a four. I don't think I really need to talk about why. Sounds good with me. Yeah. Yep. This is a four for me. Like, this is a movie that uh, is ingrained in my mind. And to me, I think the importance of this movie, I think it is one of the top five movies of the two of the... um, of the 2000s. I actually think it's one of the most, the top five influential movies of this century because I think it is really the first millennial movie. Mm. It's the first movie you can look at and say, this is about a generation of people going into the workforce. And whether it be you're an assistant, whether you're a reporter, whether you're anything like the drive you have to have, like, I think this is how, I think you mentioned it earlier. This is how boomers view millennials in the work, in the workforce. Mm -hmm. And I think this movie is a great representation of that. I think it's a great uh, performance by Meryl Streep. I think it's, it's what makes Anne Hathaway, the it girl of the first 20 years of this century. I, it's a four. It's just a four for me. It's one of my favorite movies. Top five favorite movies for me. I was trying to think of movies that were similar to this. Mm-hmm. And I came like the only thing I really came up with was like Wall Street of like protege versus. But even then, Charlie Sheen worked his tail off. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like he never he came wanted any, to be there. He never came with anything less than 100 percent. So even that's not even akin to this. Like, but I think you're right. The idea of like the millennial that is like entitled and like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Real quick. You want to do one little FMK? Sure. No, because I saw that I saw the outline and I don't have an answer and I refuse. <laughs> that's why that's why I made it like that. 
people, okay, everyone out there, you're thinking FMK, they're going to do Anne Hathaway, Emily Blunt, and Giselle. You know, no, we're not. We're no, not going to do that. No I refuse to do Giselle. that. I refuse to do that. I'm sorry. What'd you say about Giselle? I said no one cares. <gasps> wow. Tom Brady scorned you, didn't she? Didn't he? Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand the question. <laughs> That's fine. I don't hate Tom. I just don't wish him success. Even even Turtle likes Giselle, Entourage. Stop. No. Yeah, you and Giselle. Should we bring some like wine, some chocolate? Like, she like come by the house. Yeah, oh, she's really? great. <laughs> All right, real quick, rapid fire. We wrap this bad boy up. Stanley Tucci, Adrian Grenier, Meryl Streep. You got to fuck one, marry one, kill one. Go. That's fucking hard. That is hard, that's dude. Hard. And I, I threw an Adrian Grenier, not for me and Amanda, but for, for Ryan. For me, because <laughs> yeah. that's why I was like, oh, this is, oh, I can't. But I threw in Stanley Tucci and Meryl oh for Amanda. <laughs> Dow, you go. You go first. Yeah, you go first, Dow. Okay, fine. So I'm going to kill Adrian, obviously, right? I think you marry Stanley Tucci hmm. and you fuck Meryl. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, Meryl is. Yeah, Meryl's who you want your boss to be, but I wouldn't want to be married to that. It's a little too much for me, even though I know Meryl would take care of me in a lot of ways. So Miranda Priestly, Meryl, I agree, but real Meryl, Meryl, Meryl. Yeah, yeah, no, that's all we're talking. I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm going character. I'm going character. <laughs> okay. I'm if, going re- if, ooh, if this is real life, ooh. yeah, exactly. Then you're really up a creek. I think it's yeah. harder real life than it is. <laughs> yeah, Marry sure. all three. Go. <laughs> you got to go. Go, Amanda. Fuck, marry, kill. I No, I agree with Dow 100%. Go what ahead, Ryan. This is, this is the one I was waiting for. This is why I wrote this FMK. was for Ryan. I want to hear. Okay. You fuck Meryl Streep. I'm sorry. You fuck Miranda Priestley. Okay. You marry Adrian Green and you kill <laughs> You kill Nigel. Sacrilege. No, that's wrong. You, you marry Nate because he'll take care of you. No, he no, won't. He, he's, he's giving oh you grilled God. cheeses at night. First of all, that grilled, that grilled cheese was burnt. I was watching that and I was like, he burned that grilled cheese, dude. It went from golden brown to like burnt. When he does take that bite. It's like, yeah. <sighs> and and I was like, like, he's a chef. Mm. You see the way he was holding the french fry? He knows, and he's skilled on port wine reductions. We know how I love my port wine reductions. But he doesn't support you. He doesn't take care of you because he doesn't support you. And I'm not talking about monetarily. I'm talking about emotionally and mentally. And Ryan, let's be fair. You need someone that will take care of you emotionally. (sighs) Okay, so the real answer is let's just do this again. And you do, Amanda. That's why you're uh, whoever it was from Little Miss Sunshine. You pretend like you don't, but we all know you do. (laughs) My little Paul Dano. Yeah, Paul Dano. Fuck, fuck Nate. What was his Mary, name, Dwayne? Uh, what was I his already name? don't remember. Dwayne. I don't remember. No, Dwayne. That's right, yeah, Dwayne. Dwayne. That's why I picked you as Dwayne. You pretend, but I know the truth. Because there's no <laughs> way Ryan could be with you for this long if you were not emotionally supportive. <laughs> True. <laughs> he needs emotional support. You are yes. You are my Miranda Priestly. Oh. You just want one little tiny smile? Oh, and, he'll, he, and he's like, can I have two? And you're like, no. Go. And he's like, thanks. I just wanted one. Go. <laughs> go, go, go. So it's funny. Um, uh, Henry actually made that part of my best man speech when he was my best man. And he's like, Brian just always likes to act like he doesn't love how lovey-dovey Amy is. But we all know in real life he loves that stuff. And it's true. Like, <laughs> I it's pretend true. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, that's gross. 
And but in real life, I'm like, thank you for loving me. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. I appreciate you guys. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> 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 <laughs>